0: Blog Talk Radio. <laughs>
1: about today's show, we have coming from India, Nihi Tawari, who is the founder of Women Beyond Boundaries. her and two other women did an adventurous track across several different countries, and we are really excited to have her on It's really about empowering women to move forward. She's from India. we have Shapa Rao, who is also doing a project for it. she's from India. She travels the world with her husband. She is doing something called the Smile Makers Blog to make people around the world smile, and she's traveled to different places to do that, as well as she has um, clean water energy, which is, you know, we're dealing right with that right now, with climate, with water. We have C. Suzanne Bates. Oh, I can't wait to have her back on, too, who is coming back from her book, Don't Pee on the Sofa, really about women dealing with where they are in age at over 50. So without further ado, Jay Logan is going to come on and bring you the news for a few minutes, and then we are going to bring on our guest. Hey, Jay, how are you today?
2: I am doing wonderful. I'm out here today. I'm in Alameda, California, which is a little island outside of Oakland, and it's kind of a small island, and um, this is where uh, – uh, the people come in and kind of hang out in the water and stuff. So if you ever come to San Francisco, Gail, you can come to Alameda, California, and enjoy the little beach out
1: here. Well, that that sounds amazing. And, you know, um, you know, I'm really excited about the guests that we've got on today, Jay. We've got two guests from India calling in directly from India, which is Neeti Talari of Women Beyond Boundaries. The New York Times actually did a write-up on them. They traveled through Siberia from India by car all the way to London. And, you know, the whole thing behind that was so that they would actually empower other women to drive, you know, and take it on and empower other women around the world. Because as much as it's known, a lot of women, believe it or not, still don't drive even like myself. And then we have Shobha Rao, who's also from India. She does something called the Smile Makers Blog, okay, and she goes around the world traveling with her husband, um, you know, for his work, and she does training. But she also did this vlog as a way of making other people smile in different parts of the world, and she has a Clean Air Energy Act uh, for a clean India by 2020 with water. And then we have our friend Suzanne Bates back, Jay, from Aging But Dangerous from last week. You know that's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yes. That
1: sounds great. I know she's going to be fine. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah. Actually, they all are, yeah, they're all going to be fine. But, you know, we have to be careful with Suzanne because, you know, she she really had us going last week, okay? But before we do that, Jay, you're, we're our, let our audience know uh, we're bringing the news from Jay Logan for the next five minutes, okay? So on air, our Jay Logan. Jay, give up the news. All right, Gil.
2: Um, I just wanted to tell everybody out there that Spotify is starting to back down from its hardline stance on free music. You know, they were one of the companies that said we will not give free music to anybody, but with Apple and all the other companies offering uh, some type of uh, freemium model music. Um, Spotify is kind of like changing their hardline stance a little bit, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but they're thinking about it, and um, they've put out all of this stuff uh, that they might be changing their tune, (laughs) speaking of tunes, music tune, and start offering some free type of music that you can get from Spotify, which I think is a good thing, because... If they don't do it, they might lose some of their fans because all of the other um music application um streaming services offers like Apple offers three months of free service before you have to commit so that is a great thing, and we hope spotify will will start you know giving away some music for free and um back down a little bit um The other thing that's happening is. I am so happy about to say this. I have an iPhone and my battery life, uh, it really really doesn't work that long. So iPhone phone, excuse me, is give is working on a new case that will give us 25 hours of talk time, and it will only be $99 and it's a smart battery case that slips over your iPhone, and you'll be able to talk you know kind of like this is exactly what we need on our show, you know twenty five hours of talk time for our blog talk radio show, so you maybe me and uh Gail might be able to uh convince Apple to send a couple of mobiles so we can test it on the show, so I'm gonna try to see if I can talk to somebody out there at Apple and see what you know they need any beta testers. It'll be a great great thing to have one of those battery cases, but if not, you can go out and purchase this thing um it's uh It's a slender design. It looks great. It doesn't take up a lot of room. And you'll be talking for hours. So just keep a lookout for the iPhone battery case for all the Apple owners out there. This is a great accessory. Are you part of a sandwich generation? Is financial frustrations, does it look familiar? Well, if you're part of a sandwich generation, first let's define the sandwich generation. So if you have kids that are you know seventeen to twenty seven, and they're still um, you know still with you. And then you have also uh, your your mother and your father and your know, your uncle and your elderly parents. And you're sitting there trying to make ends meet. Then you are being sandwiched. And I just wanted to let you know that's a thing that a lot of us are dealing with. And there's ways to get around it, but it's kind of a lot of stress for the American, because we all are kind of stuck in the middle, you know, you know. And us parents that are sandwichers, we experience a lot of things, um, financial difficulties, sec- and, you know, social securities. We can't keep up with, with, uh, with, you know, with everything, because you know, the elderly are struggling to support themselves, and in the lack of uh, government fund financial support. In healthcare, will really do, do a lot to us, and, uh, and then sometimes we have kids. You know, they need uh, education, they need college money, they need. Um, so that's what a sandwicher is, and um, it adds a lot of stress. Um, some of the things you might can do is just kind of help ask other family members. To kind of kick in, you know, a little bit. Maybe you can um, get your friends to help you in other ways. You know, with even even if it's just laundry, or, you know, prepare food, you know, or help with doctor visits. Maybe visit your church and, and ask your church to help you. So, you know, so I'm just concerned about some of you guys out there that are coping with this this thing. Uh, being a sandwicher and being, you know, crunched in between your mom, your elderly mom, and your elderly dad. You're trying to help there. And then you got the kids with their hands out, too. And then you're not making a lot, you know. So you just got to keep your line of communications open. And, um, you know, revisit your budget. You know, revisit what you're doing. Call around upon maybe people that can lend support, you know, whether they're your extended family, community members, or professional financial advisors. So I just want to reach out. To some of the sandwiches out there and tell them that listen, give, we care. And I wanted to make sure if any of you guys are experiencing this thing, just know that you are not alone and you can get help from your other family members or friends. You just must, you have to speak up. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to talk about is um, some of the most, 10 most watched music videos that are out there. And you got the Grammys coming up. And uh, there's a lot of great uh music out there this year and the, you know the Grammys are a very 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 um very nice program to watch and I hope you guys get a chance to watch that but I wanted to get, give you guys the top 10 um I guess the top 10 uh music videos that everybody's uh everybody is pretty much watching uh or, and it has made a definitely a impact in our our music industry um Let's start off with number one. Number one, Where's Khalifa? See You Again. Number two, Uptown Funk, Bruno Mars. Number three, Man to All About the Bass. Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. Katy Perry, Roar. Katy Perry, Dark Horse. Taylor Swift, Blank Space. And Justin Bieber's baby, and believe it, or, believe it or not, um, Psy Gundam style is still number one. So I wanted to leave the audience with that, and uh, make sure that you guys watch the Grammys that's coming up. Um, it's going to be a great event, and uh, we will be trying to cover some of that stuff uh, when the Grammys uh, do air, and talk about that on our program. And then that's the, that's pretty much uh, the news for today, um, and I hope everybody out there is having a wonderful wonderful time um, listening to our show. And we're going to get back to some of the most important parts of our show, which are our guests. In about uh, a little mi- a little mi- a little moment here, and make sure that, yeah. like I said about. The- So, so
1: we're back back online, and we're just waiting for our guests from India. While we wait for our guests from India to come on, you know, Jay, one of the things that you were talking about that, you know, is of interest, big interest, is two major things. Uh, Climate that we're dealing with, okay? Uh, Climate is, we're having the the COP21 in Paris this week with climate action, all right? And, There is so much going on with our climate that we do not realize, to the point that our leaders are all meeting in Paris to not only discuss it, we've been talking for years, but also to deal with some really solid solutions that will make a difference in the area of what's happening with our fish in the ocean. People like Sylvia Earle and Jane Goodall, Jane Goodall famous for uh, the movies that have been done with her about her And a lot of the chimpanzee population, you know, Jay. um, They're really Mm -hmm. talking about a a very interesting uh, conversation, which was really had to do with the problem with our oceans being depleted of their livestock of fish, and our soil is 33% eroded around the world. That's alarming. And we, and we think that we're sitting in our seats, and how does that affect us? You know, how really does that affect us? And I just, you know, while we're waiting for our guests to come on, I really wanted to take some time, Jay, and really talk about that. How are we affected by the soil being 33% eroded, our, uh, our oceans and our livestock, 27% of our livestock is gone in our rivers, 38% of our livestock is disappearing in our oceans Now imagine that our, our population Is expanding rapidly Alright And when people hear the news Like you know even myself Or yourself We hear the news and we think Okay you know The powers that be Or the experts We may not say it exactly that way to ourselves But we don't say it any mind This is of uh, importance Because the food that we eat Comes from the soil We We get very angered by Uh, GMOs, genetically modified foods, that we say are not really good for our health. But to some degree, and you know I'm totally against genetically modified food, but to some degree, these companies really don't have a choice, Jay, with the fact that our population is literally increasing every day, okay, and expanding. But our food resources that grow from the soil, that come from the soil, are receding. 33%. Some countries are doing a good job. The countries that we thought that were least developed countries are actually doing a good job in reversing the effects of the soil. Okay? Completely reversing the effects of the soil. While countries like the very powerful countries and Western countries, we're not doing too well in that area. We're not doing well in that area at all. And this is really concerning. The soil is where we grow our food. Um, the, the, if you remember, when we were all young, we would walk down a given city street and we'd find worms on the ground. I used to hate to see those things as a child. It would freak me out. But nowadays, you walk down a city street, you don't see worms. There were plentiful worms when we were children because they were turning the soil but we don't see that anymore That should tell us something you know. It is so important that we start to even look at How can we grow gardens With really great soil You know what I mean uh, Things right. of that nature These These things are really really important And if we don't take the time To take care of Where we live We will not be able to Move forward in any way possible You know this is uh... that uh that, is,
2: that that is that is true that is true um healthy food and you know a lot of in in California you know, a lot of people they transfer they transform vacant urban land into street farms because some of the soil is not as healthy, so a lot of us out here we do a lot of things like that to try to keep it going, so we're trying in our neighborhoods to connect directly uh with trying to get healthy soil. And so we can grow food because uh, it's the food is our community, and our community is the food. We don't eat healthy. Hey, uh, we will we will we will perish. And so it's very important that I don't know in New York do they have a lot of making um, well, urban land that they can...
1: We do do that quite a bit. Most urban dwellings do that. But the next important thing is you know accordingly to um, Climate Week, Sylvia Earle and Jane Goodall. Jane talked about the deforestation. It's something very important. So we have the greenhouse gases. Well, when our trees are cut down, okay, it eliminates the opportunity for us to be protected from the greenhouse gases, and it also releases its own greenhouse gases up and back up into the atmosphere, which then surround us again. So it's not just the greenhouse wow. gases we're emitting, but that is why you have the fires over in California that have come out of nowhere, and because I never understood why fires just happened. Many people thought they were campfires, pipe fires that, you know, uh, became out of control or whatever have you, but that actually is not the case, Jay. What we're finding is that greenhouse gases and our, you know, our lands are becoming so dry, and also the fish do not know which way to go, to, so literally, um, the water is being depleted because fish are trying to find places to, reprodu- you know, reproduce. And with the waters dirtied, they can no longer reproduce. You know, our uh, glaciers are going down into the water, thereby creating um, uh, a, 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 I don't like to stutter, but a, a, a weirdness effect of the water almost becoming lopsided as the earth rotates. Because what is happening is as the glaciers are melting, the water is increasing in level. So as it's increasing in level and as the uh, the earth continues to rotate, it has to roll to somewhere. So we're losing land mass. That's also having a, a profound effect on the erosion of our soil. So it's really important that we look at what we're doing and how we're doing. Most often we hear these things and we're thinking, oh, that's not going to happen. But if in 50 years, and this is only probably the amount of time that they've actually been tracking this, this is the issue and this is the result of what's been going on. We want to, you know, we talk about youth a lot and we say that the youth are the future. But it really isn't just about the youth being the future, it really is about all generations coming together and working together, it's almost like we're placing it on the youth and saying you're the future, come up and you do something about this. We're responsible for this, all of us, not just us. Um, you know, so that's one thing. And Jay, I wanted to get onto to another topic with you, the whiz. Now, a lot of people are going to hate me for saying this, but I found that the whiz was not up to par, not at all, not the way the Judy Garland whiz of yesterday was, and Diana Ross and Michael Jackson, the whiz of that day. And people are going to say, and I would love for you to weigh in on this, Jay. People are going to say, well, why, Gail, do you feel like that? I feel like this is, I think, because we're in a, a an era of technology, all right, an era of technology where we have no empathy, we have no emotion. When people go to Broadway plays now, there's no clapping, there's no connection. The connection is not being created between the artistic uh, – Development that's going on on the stage And the artists in the stage And the people in the audience Yes they go crazy and whatever We're doing selfies But we're not connecting So I found that there was a disconnect Between the live show and the audience Because the audience was not really Giving feedback if you listen To NBC's live show of the Wiz So You know that lets, That allows anything You know appreciation allows you to connect with the artists on the stage, the artists want to give more. So, you know, the singing was great, but it still wasn't the same connection. And, you know, that goes back to technology. They're talking now technology that's showing. It's taking away our emotion. It's taking our ability to interact. And that goes to show. And I just didn't think, I thought it, I thought the the actors did a great job, but they did a great job as much as they could without adequate feedback, I thought, from the audience. What are your thoughts on that, Jay?
2: Um, I mean, I, I think it may. I think this generation doesn't connect well with this remake. Um,
0: uh, I mean, I, I didn't see a lot of
2: young people drawn to watching the Wiz. Only, I think only the only the only the people that know about the Wizard of Oz that know the true story were as interested. You know, the young people are still in their own chat rooms doing what they do, hanging out
1: <laughs> with their own.
2: Um, you know, on their own Internet sites. But I didn't feel that this NBC um, whiz was as good as it could be as far as, you know, even how they promoted it. I just don't, you know. Even though they got they got ratings and, and people watched it and they had Mary J. Blige and some good names on there, I just didn't feel that energy and that enlightenment that when I watched The Wizard of Oz uh, when I was a child, You know, my daughter, she didn't watch The Wiz. Jelena didn't. She didn't think nothing about that. You know what I'm saying? So, it's for kids, but I don't think that this version of The Wiz was uh, was adequate. And I agree with you. You know, I know it was live. I know that you know it was a play, but at the same time, I just don't think it touched. The hearts of the kids as much as the original Wiz, or even even the Michael Jackson version with Diana Ross. You know, I just think this one was just subpar.
1: Interesting, very very interesting. Well, you know, it couldn't um, keep my
2: it couldn't keep my it couldn't keep my interest when I when I watched it, and then I you know I just like okay, what's that? What's on? You know, what else is what else is on? You know, I'm
1: just so. And yes it was quite it was it was uh, quite interesting and um you know i i don't know i don't really know what to say it was uh something that i think you know it was it was it was great to i think it was good what i think would be great is it was a good reminder to bring this generation into it existed you know but i think it is also a reminder to show that um there's some there's a little bit missing you know a little bit missing so, you know, I think with that and um, you know, going, you know, the the let's get on, you know, speaking of that. Let's get to the music industry. You know, here this was a great opportunity. And, you know, let's let's look at the music industry as a whole. The music industry is really going through I think a transformation of not knowing what to do, you know? I don't think it knows what to do.
2: It does It, it doesn't. They don't know what to do right now, and it's uh, it's 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 due to the fact that everything is available and the internet is so huge, and now there's no there's no sentinel. You know, the sentinels used to be you know the big companies Sony, CBS, Warner Brothers. So now since there's no supreme controlling factor, anybody has access to promoting themselves. On on these different
3: uh, platforms,
2: YouTube, you know, Spotify, you know, all the platforms that are out there. You can promote yourself out. So, therefore, that gives, it disempowered the industry, the Sentinel. So, that's why it doesn't know what to do, because there's no control. I mean, I see people selling, for instance, I produced this group, I'm not going to say their name, but I see their product selling, but at the same time, Gail, you can listen to the whole song. <laughs> so, what do I believe for? I'm, I'm listening to the
1: whole song, and
2: it's asking me, would you like to buy this?
1: For what? I'm well, listening to well, it. Well, no, I, <laughs> I can I can actually, I understand that in a sense, Jay. I do understand that because today, um, I do understand it. Let's just say that I do understand it. It's quite interesting. Well, you know, Jay, I'm pretty excited about the next guest. Um, she, her name is, she's online waiting to come on. Her name is Shova Rao and Shoha. Uh, Shobha is, uh, I think she says Shobha. I've known Shobha for some years, Jay. Her husband and her travel the world with their children, and she decided to come up with this amazing, just I think it's amazing, where she actually, as she was traveling, she tra- she does a lot of trainings as well uh, for women's empowerment. She also does trainings also, Jay, for a, a clean water India by 2020. I think or I think it's 2020. And, you know, it's really exciting to have her on because she's doing both a blog and so many different projects. So, you know, Jay, all the way from India, do you think we it's time to welcome our, our fun guest here? Yes, it is. Okay. We'll get back into our conversation later. Hello, Shobha. Welcome from India.
3: Oh, hello. Uh, so nice to be and talk to you all the way from India. My pleasure. Yes.
1: Yes, Shobha, mm. you are live on the radio now, and you please meet our co-host who's based in San Francisco, Mr. J. Logan. J. Logan, this
3: is Shobha. Wow. Hello, Shobha. Hi. How are you? Oh, I'm very good and very happy to talk around the world in San Francisco. And Gail, are you in New yes. York? Yes, Oh, it's in really York. nice. It's really a small world now. Hmm. Yes, and so... You know yes. we have
1: we have many people that we speak out to in 110 countries, and we're really really excited to have you on today. You know, Shobha, I was just sharing with Jay your many travels. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going. Okay. If you don't mind, you know, we're going to start off the show asking you a few questions about this, but well, we ask that you tailor your answers to the questions. Okay. So that you don't sure. give away hmm. that you don't give away all of the good stuff at one time. Is that okay with you, Shelba?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's okay with me. Yeah. Okay, hmm. great. Well, you know, Shoba,
1: you know, one of the things that Jay and I were excited to learn before we get into your blog, okay? You have hmm. done many travels with your husband, all right? And yes. so many exciting, many exciting places around the world. You know, our first question is what is one of the most exciting places that you and your husband have either worked in or vacationed in that you so enjoy the culture?
3: Uh, if you ask me honestly, um, India is 100 countries within one country. So we have worked <laughs> a lot in India. <laughs> and I think that, nothing, that Indian culture is, you know, everything, every day there is something new. So though mm. we, have, we have lived around the world, I think India is a place to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Because every city is different, every place is different in India. You walk few kilometers and the culture, food, habits, everything change So, I can never get enough of India.
1: Well, you know, speaking of India, you know, you say the culture changes. Where are you, where are you based in India?
3: Uh right now we are in Mumbai. Uh, but okay. we were also, we have stayed in Bangalore, in Pune, in Delhi, in Mangalore, so, uh, you know, every every place is a new experience in India itself. Well, Jay, Jay
1: I'm mm-hmm. going to ask her just one more question if that's okay with you. You know, given yes. in India, you know, you say that each place is different. Can you give our audience a, a, a difference, let's say, if you're in Mumbai, which is a city like New York, okay? And hmm. if if you're in a city like Bangalore, explain to our audience hmm. what the difference would be between, like, a Mumbai
3: and a Bangalore. Okay. Now, in Mumbai, it's it's a very lively place. It's high energy, high professionalism. Everybody is always on the go. And Bangalore, I was there some years ago. Okay, I've seen Bangalore when it used to be a sleepy little town. And um, uh, it used to, you know, close in the afternoon, but Bangalore is also changing. It has become very cosmopolitan. It has a lot of young crowd, a lot of IT crowd in Bangalore. So you can see this: it's, the original um, uh, inhabitants of Bangalore have become a minority, and there are a lot of outsiders in Bangalore right now.
4: Wow. So it's, it's
3: a lot of youth, and it's a lot of it's a mix of Indian and international exposure also in Bangalore now compared to what it was oh. before. So okay. it's, it's become a lot more... I've seen this city, I, yes, changing over the years, yes.
1: Yeah. Mm. You know, I know that Jay, um, you know, wanted to get into questions about your your clean water uh, project for Clean India, clean India. Clean In, India by so,
0: 2222,
1: yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'll let him and, ask you that, you know, those questions. So Jay, go right ahead.
2: Yes, I would, I would like to know... Um, about the Clean India uh, project. Could
3: you tell us a little bit about that? Water? Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, I have traveled around the world because my children were staying in different countries. And uh, one thing, every time I came back, I realized that we need to do something about the cleanliness of our country. And uh, this was a uh, passionate project which I took up some years ago. Hello. Can you hear me? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, we're here. Yes, we're we're can li- we have- yeah, You're yeah, live. Okay. You're live. Yeah, okay. So I took up this project some years ago when I uh, – it was basically about changing the mindset of the Indians. You know, Indians had become indifferent to cleanliness around them. Though the houses are very clean, if every Indian just takes the responsibility of keeping just the public place outside the house clean, India will be clean. So i taken up this project – uh, it took, I started in 2003, you know, doing my bit outside my house. In 2007, also I spoke about it, and uh, 2013 I declared that India will be clean by 2222. And you know, out of the universe, the uh, our Prime Minister announced in 2014 that India, he announced a Clean India program, and he has declared a date of 21019 you know so right now it has become an or it has become an um, uh, uh, national initiative and a lot of people are at least aware i know it's going to be a big process but once the mindset is changed then the people will actually take make and take make an effort to take responsibility to keep public places clean so i think wow, we, wow. we have a lot of work to do first changing the mindset of the people and the attitude of the people towards cleanliness but it's happening on a slow scale. I know it will happen. Yes, you just have to be passionate, and people like us who are a minority have, after this initiative by a prime minister, a lot of a lot more people. They're becoming a majority, and a lot more people are actively involved in getting, you know, our country clean. What wow. what is
2: the condition of the What is the condition of the water right at this moment?
3: The condition of the water we have uh, um, we we have that is a uh, clean drinking water is still a distant dream for a lot of people in the rural areas okay and uh, mm-hmm. we still have to work a lot on pollution and uh, water pollution and you know getting good simple clean drinking water to everybody in fact you know my daughter had done a project on the slums and she realized that you no, know, the water that comes from the tap is clean, but the storage area and the uh, you know the filth- filthiness around that place is what makes it dirty. So okay. we still wow. have a, we still have a long way to go there. Yes, you know. You know my, my
1: my it is wonderful, Jay. You know my question about the water recently, uh, Shoba, there was an mm. article in the news. It was worldwide news that there was a problem that happened with India's water in the last week where mm-hmm. uh, a, a dam broke and somehow the, something of the water got through it became unclean you know what has mm-hmm. been india's what has been india's response you know when the government does act to go into a community to to make sure the water is clean okay what has mm-hmm. been their response to this and my second question to you is your foot your your livestock meaning your fish since India does also, even though India is a, a primarily a country of a lot of vegan uh, people mm-hmm. who are vegans, but there are also mm-hmm. um, meat meat eaters. My question is, how does yes. India, with, with issues like the water dam that's just broke, how do they deal mm-hmm. with their livestock of their fish? How you know do
3: you, do you import fish in? How does India deal with that? Now, regarding, let me be honest with you. Um, uh, regarding this fishing industry, I really am, I'm, do not keep much track of it. I am a vegetarian myself, so but I know that there are a lot of institutions who are working towards, um, uh, you know, uh, clearing the water pollution aspect. But like I said, it's small steps. But we still have a long way to go.
1: Wow. So, you know, you spoke about mindset, which I think is a really powerful thing. And you you spoke about the fact of the the importance, you know, and this is what Jay and I talk about all the time, the importance of that you must start, you know, with the person in their home, not even in the community, but in their home so that they can connect to the issue itself, that they are, you know, they are the the change makers, as we like to say, as you know, Shoba yes. they the yes. they're the shift maker. They, are, they can yes. actually shift their behavior. What do yes. you feel it's going to take, not just for India, but also for mm-hmm. people, you know, we were just talking about water and the problem with water right now. It's a worldwide thing. It's not just an India thing. What do mm-hmm. you think mm-hmm. in taking on this initiative yourself has been the problem on a worldwide level? Because what's happening in India is no different than what's happening around the world Is how people look at it.
0: Hmm. What, what, so are, question, what are your, your thoughts your, 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 on that?
3: No, you can you your, can just repeat what exactly is your question.
1: The question is what's going on in India is going on mm-hmm. everywhere around the world in terms of the mindset, okay? Yes. What yes. do you think? Hmm. What do you, what do you think it will take for everyone not just, you know, to shift their mindset because it begins, as you know, what I'm saying to you, Shob. as you know, most people see the problem as outside of them, all right? What do you think it's going to take on a worldwide level for people to really connect with it inside their homes?
3: Uh, Okay, what it takes, I think what it takes is persistence and teamwork, okay? Because this has to be done with as many people as possible, and it has to be a consistent persevering effort in the direction. Because if mindset change will not happen alone. You know, we all, all, always whenever we go and we, we I do a lot of work, you know, on the road itself. I talk to people from the slums, I talk to school children, college children and you know, it is we are we are we have to do it as a group. And the group, which is right now a minority, has to become a majority. Hmm. So, when mm-hmm. there is a lot of teamwork and it requires a lot of persistence. You know, you will be surprised when I tell people that how can you, you know, uh, bear to have this garbage just outside your shop. And they say, we are used to it from so many years. So, it is years of mindset that needs to be changed. And we have to say it again and again and again. And so two two my answer is simple, persistence and teamwork. Okay. That is what we say and the worldwide level to change mindset.
1: Jay, do you have any more questions in this area? Um,
2: no, I don't have any more questions. I do have more questions but um not in that area. I I I would like to ask the About the smile You know I wanted to know What that means Giving smiles And what does that mean From her um, Gail Um, But in that area I don't have any more questions But that one I do
1: Okay Okay Well we're good Well Jay let's go right Into the smile makers blog Please go ahead Oh okay Um, I wanted to know What does that mean So I wanted to know What does
2: that mean Places giving smiles Tell us a little bit About that
3: Okay Now see You know I I uh, I just turned 52, and, you know, I was thinking at my 52nd birthday that uh, I've been there, done there, seen that, you know, played all the cards <laughs> and all the roles of life. <laughs> so yes. the 53rd year was a joker year. And uh, so I said, okay, that's how it started. You know, it started the, I started this project, and I said, let me be like a joker, and let me focus. A joker is what a person who creates smiles. So for this one year, I've taken up this project of doing some act every day that can create a smile in somebody around me, okay? Because, see, all of us, we have got our problems and we've got our tensions and we have got our stress issues, whatever we are dealing with. But instead of focusing on that, if we can focus on making somebody happy around us, then, you know, the day becomes that much better, so my first 52 days of my blog okay uh, which i was actually on facebook were is about uh, creating smiles so i actually gave simple simple experiences simple day to day examples of you know you creating smile by you know giving something else to the uh, um maidservant, you know giving something extra and doing something doing our bit the next 52 days, I focused on people, smile makers, that is small daily people, you know, people, uh, common people from different uh, places of uh, different uh, um, employment, like some, it can be a, you know, vegetable seller or, you know, who, with their work, create smiles, okay? And the next 52 days, I started writing about places that give us smiles, so, you know, since I've traveled a lot around the world, uh, I had written a lot of uh, articles about my travels. And, you know, even now, you know, when you just think of Paris or the Eiffel Tower, you automatically smile. So the the whole focus of the Smile Makers blog is think about people who make you smile, places that make you smile. Think about how you can make people smile. In fact, the next, 32 say, um notes will be about places in India that make us smile. So it is so easy to create smiles provided we focus on them. And just imagine if all of us in this world focus on making other people smile, don't you think it will be a much better world to live in?
1: Yes. You
3: yes. are so sweet. All the time, all the time, you're only thinking oh, how can I smile? But, you know, when you focus on making, you smile much more and it is, so much better, I'm telling you. When I write the last sentence, the smile on the face it was priceless. I actually mean it was a priceless smile, you know. Well, well
1: you know, I, I, know that you, I know that you've done this around, you know, like basically around the world. You've been taking this this project around the world and, you know, doing it in different places. You know, I know we spoke about India. I'd like to find out, Shobha, about other areas, okay, that you truly enjoyed, mm. smiles. What are some of the experiences? Can you share with us some of the experiences along the way that you've had in other countries mm. with, this, with your blog? In other
3: countries? Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Uh, you know, uh, we had gone on a tour of Trafalgar and Cosmos in Europe, and uh, we were the only Indians on the, with, uh, along with another family. We were only two Indian families on the uh, tour. And, you know, in the last day, we sang some English songs. And uh, trust me, I was so surprised that the people were surprised that we knew English songs. <laughs> and, you know, I and I realized that there is so much about India that is not known to the world. People think, you know, they still think that India is, you know, uh, they still have that old um, impression of India, not realizing that you know, India. India has changed. Indians have changed, and uh, uh, they are. You know, I've traveled to London many times, and uh, from the first time I traveled, I think probably in 2003, to the third or fourth time I traveled last year, I can see a shift in the way people look at India, and and a lot of them want to come to India, and you know, experience it for themselves. So I am very, very happy. Uh, I'm very proud to wear my sari and my bindi and my uh you know uh Indian uh costumes when i am abroad so hmm. that is a very good experience for me yeah
4: yeah
1: you know uh, that's 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 interesting um Jay, go right ahead. I, you know I'll keep asking, so I'm, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to get into your questions today. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, well, this is
2: this is a question. When I was reading when I was reading Shabbos blog, Gail, I looked at a part and they had ordered. I wanted us her to tell us about. They ordered a salad, and she was looking forward to eat the salad, and um, she was surprised when she found out. Could you tell us a little about when you guys were eating the salad in, in um, Egypt?
3: <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> oh,
2: oh, yes, yeah.
3: Being a vegetarian, I don't even eat egg. And so food sometimes becomes a big issue for me. Uh, you know, I And I remember even in Austria, the similar thing happened. We went searching for a sandwich. And uh, I asked for a vegetarian sandwich. And she very happily went and picked up one thing from inside. And she took out all the pink color things and gave it to me. And I said, no, no, I will not eat it, you know. Uh, so we are, we are so finicky about. Uh, not even uh, vegetarian food being touched by non-veg food. So uh, so I have, had, I have had a lot of history. People cannot believe that I don't even eat eggs. But then it's okay. <laughs> but did they a
2: yeah. uh, salami in your salad by mistake? Oh, yes. yes because means- I
3: did not know that. Yeah, there was no board. You know, most of the time, there's no board saying that it's fully vegetarian. So if I don't ask, wow. there will be a salami by mistake. Yes, yeah. <laughs> In fact, even wow. when I went to it, South Africa, even when I went to South Africa, there was nothing on the breakfast table for me. In though there was a lavish buffet, then I just ended up eating some mushrooms and bread butter. Wow, Yes.
1: So you know, Shobha, that I love London. Okay, you know that um, Jay and I worked together in London for almost seven to eight years. And, you know, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I love, I love London. You you just named another country I love, South Africa. Um, If, you know, we didn't have the unrest right now in the Middle East, I'd be Mm -hmm. visiting Egypt and Jordan. I want to ask you something. I know that you recently went to South Africa, okay, and then you've gone to London. What did you find, Mm -hmm. you know, in your travels uh, in South Mm -hmm. Africa? How was South Africa for you versus how was London for you?
3: Okay, now I, frankly speaking, we had read a lot about London, and you know in schools a lot of history, and so we knew so much about London when we before we went to London, and it fulfilled all the you know great expectations that I had. Uh, but about South Africa, I really did not know much about it. And so one of the things that was really, really impressed me was the natural beauty. I never expected it to be so beautiful. It reminded me a lot of Australia, the beaches. Uh so, the natural beauty is what I really liked about South Africa, and then uh I had a lot of interaction. I did not know uh you know the huge importance between um the black and the white races, whatever you called it uh, apartheid. I did not know how important it was for them over there uh but you know i we were we had different kinds of guides, so we had a guide who took us. To District Six, and he actually lived in District. Uh, uh, he was from that area, so he gave a different perspective about apartheid. And the next day, we had a guide who was a uh, white, and he gave a different perspective about it. Really enriching to listen to two views of the same stories, uh, and which is such a such an important matter even now you know that apartheid is officially abolished uh, but still you know the way the people talk about it that is what surprised me about south africa you know you
1: know uh, you know not not to put you on the spot but i we i do jay let me just ask her this one more question if that's okay with you um you know one of the things i'd love to know you talked about something very interesting and touched on something london is very much like a metropolitan like new york or the us would be the yeah, UK is that yeah. way, yes. so yes. there's an yes. acceptance. There's no in a, there's an, exactly, there's an acceptance of all mm-hmm. cultures. But my question mm-hmm. is, in South Africa, how was the difference mm-hmm. in the perspectives of the way you were explaining the same story? Can you can you shed some light on that for our audience?
3: Uh, you know, okay. To be honest with you, uh, uh, some people think there's absolutely no apartheid right now at all. <laughs> And some people say that it is there in a subtle way. I would not like to talk more about it. <laughs> but okay.
1: that's it, yeah. yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so um, my my I know one of my last questions, she will have two last questions before Jay does go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. SmileMakers blog, what were some of the things that you created for your SmileMakers blog in South Africa?
3: What did I create?
1: Yeah. What oh, was, I started what was writing about my
3: daily experiences. I started writing about my daily experiences, and it was there was so much to see every day. You know, one day we're seeing Cape Town, and next day we're going to the Cape Peninsula, and you know, so I started writing about that, and um, you know, what what fascinated me was that traveling around the world is such a Never-ending, you know, uh, lifelong dream that's going to continue always. Because hmm. however much you see, there is still so much more to see. You know, I said before my 50th birthday. Yeah, before my 50th birthday, I said that I would see at least one country from every continent. And I also managed to see Peru, Machu Picchu. You know, wow. That that, that was my that. So that was another amazing experience, which I'm going to write about uh, very soon. Uh, and so I said, okay, let me. What happened in South? What What happened was I realized that, you know, we still have so much to do, and we're not getting any younger, so <laughs> we need to do it soon. So I put another deadline. I put it that before my 60th birthday, I have to see at least 60 countries. At least something well, to look not, forward to. <laughs> well, it's you know? funny that you and say write say about this it. and write mm-hmm.
1: about it. It's funny that you would say this. Our next guest really deals mm-hmm. with women who are over 50, okay? She's written a, an, a hilarious book about it. Her name is C. Su- Suzanne Bates. And to bring her, usher her in, but to give a, a little bit of feedback about that, you know, as a woman who has raised children, who travels with her mm-hmm. husband, okay, who, as well, you-, you said, you know, when you came on the radio, you said, I'm over 50, what, what's next for me? Mm-hmm. By 52, I've done this, I've done that what do you feel as a woman holds a family together
3: while still um, taking care of yourself uh, okay now this a lot of this has to do with our Indian culture you know we got married young we had children when we were quite young and uh, our Indian, in culture once you're married you know your husband's family is what you're devoted to uh, so I will uh, be honest, in my 20s, uh, my whole focus was the family and the two young children. But by the time I was 40, I was completely free because my children had become independent. And uh, the India has changed over the years. So, you know, in the recent years, women have become much, much more self-assertive, very clear about what they want to do in their life. And... But the advantage we have is that we, we still, you know, uh, have got our strong family values and our family traditions and our cultures which, you know, we will also um, uh, hold on to. So I think this blend of East and exposure to the West is I, what made the difference. You know, today if I have a family which are independent, my son is an architect. He studied in Australia but he decided to come back to India because he said India is a place to be. My daughter is a scientist doing a PhD in Canada. Uh, But but if they have got their strong values, it is because, you know, they are exposed to the Indian culture and they are also exposed to the um, Western international culture. So I think this blend which is happening right now in India is what gives us an edge.
1: Okay. So and, we, have and, a and, and,
3: and, we have a we have a exposure to the professional world also. And so
1: you think that as a woman, you know, who's fifty two and raised a family, that helps you personally?
3: Yes. So you know, we we we, we give the family both the, both the values, yeah. We blend of east and west. So I think that that is good. You know, it's not the, neither this side nor that side. Try to get the best of both worlds.
1: Okay. Well, Jay, I know you had some last questions for Shoba.
3: Yes, I do, Shoba. I
2: I want to know, how was it uh, in Egypt? And could you tell us a little about about the Nile and and let let us know the fun that you had there and the beauty?
3: Oh, uh, Egypt was one of the most uh, amazing experiences. Uh, You know, when we went and we looked at the uh, huge temples, and the idols and we listen to all the historical stories about you know their kings and their queens and their um um the magnificence that was there at that time you know um one was a feeling of awe another was a feeling of sadness you know because, uh, because suddenly we realize that there is no one worshiping these in these temples anymore. The temples have just become a place of, um, you know, tourist attraction because, uh, you know, Christianity and uh, Islam took over and these original uh, temples that are there have just become uh, fantastic places to see. You know, if you look at, um, and one of the things you realize that a lot of um, things about Egypt is similar. Now, for example, you take the pyramids, you take the um, Machu Picchu rock structures, okay, and you take uh, um, a lot of stories are similar. What is happening in Egypt, what happened in India, and what happened in uh, Peru, okay, in the ancient civilization, there is a lot of similarity. You now, all three talk about three worlds. You talk about uh, uh, the heaven, earth, and netherworld. world. So, every time you go to a new place, you are fascinated with the culture of that place. But you realize that there is some connection between different parts of the world, even though they are, you know, so many miles away. Wow! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, and the Nile River cruise, and I mean everything, everything about it, because we we really went so much deep into the stories and uh, um, um, you know, the kings and queens, and you know even in India we have similar stories of the king and queen flying and you know be rising from the dead. And I thought it was really fascinating. Yeah, you know, I mean you go inside the tombs and you look at the. Uh, I think another place that really fascinated was the treasures which was taken from the. Um, uh, Tutankhamen tomb, which we saw in the museum. So just imagine all the other tombs. How much treasure, tra- treasure they must have had, and it is it is what Egypt is today is hardly anything compared to the rich country it used to be. So it's a, I told wow. you, it's a mixture of awe, a mixture of a little sadness. Yeah. Mm.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have any more questions, Jay, before I jump in with my last and bring our next, next guest on? Uh,
2: no, I just, I'm so I'm so proud of her, and we need more people like her. And I so thank you so much for sharing today. We, I really appreciate all the information that you have given our audience.
3: Yes, and I'm looking forward to you coming to a very clean India. I'm looking forward to you. You come and see the youth of India. You know, we are a dynamic you know i i i interact with a lot of people who are younger than even my children and a lot of them want to you know take india to very very high levels there is a lot of optimism there is a lot of um, future potential you look at the youngsters how they are spending in india and i think india is a country of the future so well, you know I I, I I would love you all to come here again and again
1: well, you know, I, I will definitely take you up on that offer. And one of the things, you know, Shoba, you and I have known each other for quite a few years. And um, one of the things I want to ask you that, you know, and you know, I've, Jay goes without saying how proud I am of um, Shoba and and her ideas. You know, Shoba, you do training, and I would love for you to yes. share with our audience the kind of training that you do.
3: Okay. Uh, Professionally, I'm a lawyer by qualification, and uh, um, I got into training for the sheer passion of it. So I used to be a freelance reporter writing about the extraordinary spirit of the ordinary person for a leading newspaper called Bombay Times here. And from writing about it, I decided to start talking about it. And um, I started with school children, then I started with college I used to teach soft skills to MBA students in the college, and then I got into corporate training. And training is really my passion. I used to do it full-time. I used to do content. But now I'm a freelancer because I do not want to get stuck to a 9-to-5 job. So I know as and when the companies need training, I still go and I do corporate soft skills training. See, as you climb the corporate ladder, you learn to manage men, money, machines, materials. But you can learn to manage your money, material, and machines. But the people who are able to manage men, you know, they are the ones who are able to rise the corporate ladder faster. And soft (laughs) skills is all about managing the people around you. Yes, it's about managing yourself and managing the people around you. And, you know, uh, yeah. So uh, when I, in fact, just last week I did a train-the-trainer workshop where I trained people to become trainers. You know, and we talk about, we do communication skills, team building, um, um, you know, motivation, self-motivation, positive attitude, stress management. You know, these are the things which make your 9-to-5 job a much happier place to be in. And I always think that, you know, if you focus on developing your soft skills, you will do much better and you will enjoy your journey instead of just waiting for the destination.
1: Yeah. So, Jay, I'm, um, you know, Shoba, we are so happy to have had you on. And before we leave, Jay, I'm going to share something with the audience about Shoba and myself. Um, we can't go into where we met uh, publicly because of the, uh, confidentiality reasons, but I will share this mm-hmm. with you. I have the profound privilege of coaching uh, Shoba and her, her business and her life. And, uh, you know, coaching, they always say, is a two-way experience. You, The person that you coach, you move them forward. But, in fact, it was a profound privilege to coach Shilwell because I also moved forward during that time. As the audience can see, this is a woman who knows her destination, and she creates her destination where she's going to go and on her terms. And since I'm a similar woman, coming together, I felt more in partnership than we were, you know, coaches. I almost felt like we were coaching each other. So you know, Shoba, it's it's always
3: a profound pleasure to be with you. And and it was a, such a wonderful experience to have you as a coach. I learned so much about life from you, Gail. You know, it, I, those were one of the best memories of my time that I had with you. You know, yeah. I, I remember, I I was I, I, one disadvantage of my generation is that we are not tech savvy, and you were the one who actually showed me that I can write my notes and put them on. Facebook for people to read. You <laughs> know? You were the one who actually coached me in technology. So I'm ever grateful to you for that. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. And we are and learning then, all the time. you know, I believe yeah. I believe, you know, I believe or I like to close on a small note, is that in the first few years of your life you're focused on learning, then you focus on earning and now at this stage in life we are focusing on returning. So exactly. the whole life whatever it is, is about returning whatever we can, back to the society from which we have taken so much. And, yes, I want to
1: say one more thing, and then we have to bring our guest on because we're running a little bit behind. Mm -hmm. One of the things Mm -hmm. I want to say, Jay, about um, Shoba, and something that I'd love to share with you, Jay, and your family and all the audience and our guests listening, is that Shoba taught a lot of us women. You know, a lot of us women in the West think we know what it is to be married, okay? As strong as Shoba is, She knows how to be a mother and a wife and a friend to her family. And I think that that's something that most women cover well, but I think there's something to be learned from women of India, which is why I have a love for India. The women of India, you know, we're all the same, but we learn so much from each other. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. But I want to say the show has taught me more in the area, and I have no problem saying this, of learning more how to be with my family as a woman in the West. You know, it is uh it's just a profound pleasure to, to be able to have this interaction with people around the world and that I've gotten to go to India and Australia and places like that. You know, so Shobha, thank you so much and we would love to have you on again sometime in the new new year. Will you come on and visit us?
3: Sure, definitely. Anytime you call me. Okay, it's okay. been a pleasure talking to both you and Jay. Thank you very much. And all always remember the experience here. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Well, bye. Thank you too. You bye bye. Bye. Well, that was
1: amazing. Okay, Jay. Now you know, we we we've had the great conversation, the serious conversation with Shoba, but you know we've got to get ready for Miss Bates, who's coming on. Okay, because you know she's going to give us a run for our money. You know what she's going to talk about this week. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let her say it. Okay. Are you ready for her, Jay? Yes. Are you sure? I don't
4: hear that. <laughs> yet. I don't hear that. Yet. Okay. Okay. Miss <laughs> Bates, how are you this week? I am excellent. I'm so happy that Jay is mentally prepared for this because I think last week he could have been a little bit um, overwhelmed by some of our blunt talk. So, Jay, I'm happy you've come along and we're going to go down that road. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to go down yeah. the road. Well <laughs> Well I just uh, wanna say your la your I just wanna say your last guest was absolutely stunning, and I hated that it was gonna be over. I'm like, No, keep talking to her because what an amazing woman she is.
1: Yes, I had the profound privilege. We have been friends for many years and I had the profound privilege of coaching her. And um she's amazing. I love her to death. And I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
4: I was going to say, I think what you said is really true. What she represents is so true is that we as women, that's what we represent. We as women, if we can support each other and share and learn from each other the things that traditions of people around the world that serve the family and all of us well, then there are, then... What is the downside? I mean, we're all just going to be better. So I love that this, to me, this is, it's a continuing theme. I mean, she seems like a really wonderful woman, and I love her. I love what she said about uh, about learning, earning, and returning. And that is exactly what has happened to us. So it's every person's journey. It's actually, it, very, it very
1: much is, uh, Suzanne. Um you know, I have traveled to different parts of the world, as I'm sure you have. Jay has been around the world. And the the one thing that Jay and I are very committed to, and that we, we don't talk about it, we actually do it on a daily basis, we come together with people around the world. Our projects are out in the, around the world. So it's really important that what we do is exposed in how we generate our lives, how we generate our incomes, everything it's not just a passion because your passion can leave. But your commitment, whatever you're committed to, continues on. And that is something that's very important. But we also think that your subject matter that you are gonna go into is exceptionally important. Okay?
4: Well <laughs> I we are... thank you for that.
1: Because uh that is is a it's a true fact. And Jay, um I hope you're going to hold on to your wheels here because this is a subject matter that though it's there's humor behind it, it is something that a lot of women face with dealing with confidence issues, okay, um, and especially when they get to that age. So, you know, Suzanne, if we can begin to ask you questions directly in these areas and you can take us down on your road that you're going to take us with, would that be okay with you? That would be perfect. Okay. You know, Suzanne, you were talking about, uh, I can't even say it without laughing, you know, I think it's a dry vagina, if I'm correct? Yes. Okay. Take us down that road of when a woman is over 50 years old and she begins to experience this. And, you know, I want to go into the serious part with it first, if that's okay with you. You know, a woman's over 50 years old, she's married to her husband, And she starts to feel, because a lot of women, you know, um, of different ages, you know, some women go through perimenopause in their 20s. It's a real thing. And they become dry in those areas. And they become concerned that they're not wanted or, you know, by their husbands or their fiancés or their boyfriends. They become uncomfortable that they won't be wanted during that time. How does a woman deal with this, whether she's going through perimenopause in her 20s and she's going through dealing with a dry vagina in her 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and over? How, you know, share
4: with us. Take us there. Well, first of all, it's it's so common. And the there are just so many common things that happen to all of us when we reach our, like you said, I mean, sometimes it's 30s, 40s, 50s that you deal with these issues. And the first thing is not to feel like the Lone Ranger, not to feel like that you're the only one this is happening to, because you're not. And so I um, I, I I say to people, you're not the only one who worships at the um, at the at the foot of the uh, Lady of the Perpetually Wet Crotch. I mean, it is all many many of us that are down there, and we are saying, help us, help us. So. I and, the, and this is a perfect vaginal dryness is something that is so common, and it's the beauty of it is that more and more women are talking about it. And the doctors, the OBGYNs, we work with Park Nicollet Clinic here in Minneapolis, and there are there are Euro gynecologists. And um, someone asked me if that meant they were from Europe. I said I don't think so. But there are urogynecologists that work specifically with everything that has to do with the entire pelvic floor. And they just bring amazing, they're so blunt and they're so um, comfortable with the language. And we also have worked with a a company here called the Smitten Kitten. And it is a, a place where you can talk, you can go and you can talk about lubricants, you can talk about all the issues that you have in your life that are prohibiting you from having a really excellent sexual relationship, which is really important. I have seen so many women who are dissatisfied in their relationship, and it's not necessarily the sexual act. It's the fact that, it, that, it, that once you have those barriers, whether it's men and impotence or women and the vaginal dryness, is that you don't have the touching. People tend to back up and back up and back up. Instead of going toward each other and saying, gee, how can I help you or I understand or let's talk about it, they back away. So the touching becomes less frequent and the communication about it shuts down and that it can really cause some huge issues in relationships.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, you know, um, Jay, good luck on your next question.
2: <laughs>
0: well, I'm
2: going
1: to I'm going to stay away from those
2: questions. I'm going I I'm going to ask a question like, um, what keeps uh, what keeps a couple or a marriage together? If, if a woman is going through all these things, what can a man do to uh, make sure that? What can I do, or what can we do to keep that from happening?
4: Oh my gosh, what a sweetheart you are to ask that question. Well, because men, I think, it, I think it takes so much more. Men just naturally don't step up and communicate, and they don't communicate with each other like women talk to each other. And so, I think this is a real, a real uh, challenge. And it just makes me like when I hug you and say, it's say thank you for even asking what you can do because so many men, I think, just really don't know how to deal with it. So they, as I said before, they turn away. But one of the things that you could do is just plan a time where you sit down with your significant other or spouse and you all bring one thing to the table that is a concern of you in your own life. And if you set up some of these kinds of structures, it's so easy then to say, well, I'm concerned about vaginal dryness and how this is impacting our relationship. And I'd like to know how it, how you feel about this. Is it, tell, talk to me. And a lot of times that's a really tough conversation to start, but I think that as... Even if you give some choices, is it A? Is it um, does it make you uncomfortable to initiate sex or intimacy? Uh, B, uh, does it make you want to um, to totally withdraw from our relationship? I mean, you might have to to throw out some little carrots or little jewels there, but. I think as men and women take the time, I think what happens is it's so easy in our society. Come home, turn on the television, stick your nose in the television or in your computer or in your phone and just shut down and not step to the plate. But I think if you turn off all of the distractions... And you're sitting there with a glass of wine, or if you're sitting there with a with a cup of coffee, and you know that that's the purpose of sitting down is what happened What happened to you today that it's great? What happened to you that you'd like to address and maybe make better? And it's a habit. It's just like brushing your teeth. I mean, think how grungy your teeth would be if you never brushed them. Well, that's, your marriage can get just as grungy. Yeah, it's true because,
2: you know, a lot of guys will say, hey, maybe my wife is, uh, or my spouse is, or my girlfriend is going somewhere else. She doesn't like me anymore. What's going on? We don't have the time, intimate time anymore. Things are going crazy. Uh, maybe I should find somebody else or I'm going to look – I don't know because I'm afraid to ask her. I'm afraid to say anything because I don't know what's going on here because I've never been through this experience. So it's good for men to know that it could, it's not always another guy or she just doesn't like me. She's not interested or I'm not interested or – so, yeah, it's definitely interesting because um, it definitely helps us guys to know that these things go
1: on. Well, you know, Are I think you, also
2: to
1: – I'm sorry, go ahead, go uh, ahead.
2: Suzanne.
1: No, no, go no please go ahead, Suzanne. Well, what I was going to say, Suzanne, well, is, you know, what the the other interesting thing about this, you know, in conjunction with what Jay is saying, I think, you know, Suzanne, don't you think it's also, you know, I would love to know your feedback on this. Do you think it's also that a lot of times, You know, we as women who raise our sons, okay, this is a big portion of it too. We raise our sons differently from the way we interact with our husbands. We raise our sons like they're our babies and that, you know, uh, we want them to be a certain way. Sometimes we forget that we almost raise our sons like they could be daughters. And then we have an expectation that they should be a certain way when they get older, you know, how do we counteract that? Because most often that's what happens. You treat your husband, you may love your husband, you interact with him, you don't understand why your husband doesn't treat you a certain way when you're going through these changes, but then you love your son as there because, you know, that's your son and he just understands mommy. But you're still men, and by us doing that, the son doesn't really understand when he gets older either because he's going to turn into someone's husband as well. What are your
4: thoughts on that, Suzanne? Why don't you just ask me the most difficult question you could possibly I could possibly think of? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, whoa, that is a thing. Okay. Well, I, I, there's uh, the thing of it. Well, let me just go back and, and and add a little caveat to what we were talking about. The other thing is there's always a, there's always counseling, and I really believe in, in going to outside professionals to help to help span this. This chasm that can develop, because I don't think that any of us that don't haven't been trained in this really have the tools that we need to to approach the opposite sex. And I mean, you're talking about genes here, and you're talking about something that I mean, men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and exactly. that is something that we have learned is a truth about our our chemical makeup, our psychological makeup that we're in some ways fighting against, but a nicer way to say that is how do we give that how do we use that to our advantage and think of it as a positive. And um I do have a son, I have three sons actually. And wow. I think it's yeah <laughs> and and I um and I've had three husbands too maybe there's a correlation no um but i but i i have not been as successful in marriage as i would have liked to have been and when i look back on that a lot of it is obviously in my camp in my court in my responsibility area and had i better understood myself and my motivations, and what I was dealing with from a whole list of things, the way I was raised, my genetics, my testosterone, or estrogen levels, and um, I think that kids today are just, a lot of, of, of young men are just more highly evolved. They've watched their mothers and their fathers. They've They've heard things. We're a little more open. I say things in front of my son, and he's like, "Oh, mother, please." I mean, did I really need to know that? But yeah, he he does need to know that, and uh, and so I think that there is with every generation. Think about how much further we've come than like our parents. Interesting. Very
1: interesting.
4: Very interesting. Um, so I, I, so, so I I I mean, it's like I think that, that, that anything you can learn and pass on your own experience, here's what you're, and, and, and at a certain age that becomes a, a, a lot more appropriate than it does when you have teenagers. But when your kids get to where they're over 21, sharing some of these things in a very positive way about how you have grown as an individual or you have grown, and I think fathers should do the same. I think that's a great way to to span what you're talking about. Hmm. Quite interesting. Quite interesting.
1: Well, you know. You um, have that. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. I have three nieces, so um, and and a a female dog, and. you know. Um, I've actually helped to raise those nieces though, not just, you know, they lived with me for a period of time, so it's almost like I felt like a mother. Um and I do raise other kids. Um and the intention is to also adopt. So I cannot while I can't claim to know, it's like I've been a mother to many children and, and I and I'm a very good mother at that. Um, but what I would say is this one of the things Jay and I often talk about Suzanne is that I believe it's not about men versus women. As a matter of fact, I probably am someone that disagrees with a lot of women. I don't think it's about you put a woman inside something and that means everything's going to go well. I think it's that it's partnership between men and women,
4: partnership between
1: girls and boys. And I think it's that we learn, to. and and a man will never be a woman and a woman will never be a man. It's just a different makeup. And that if we just become comfortable in ourselves to be who we are, as men and women, okay, with no defining point of, you know, you should be this way and you should be that way. I think a little bit of the old with a little bit of the new will make for a better place when we find that that place where we can create that partnership at. Um, and I think, the, you know, but that's just my thoughts. We, you know, we're not here interviewing me. We want to know more about where you are because I think that your book, Don't Pee on the Sofa, really shares with though they're funny anecdotes, it's really the truth. And my question to you is a really big one, is when a woman, you know, as a woman yourself who's written this book, what can women do when they go through those changes of, you know, feeling unloved, feeling unwanted, and they're going through also, you know, being snappy when they're going through it? How can they better communicate with their spouses and their children to have a better understanding of what they're dealing with.
4: Well, this book is all about what it's really all about, is that if we are all we can be as the women we are, that a lot of these things just dissipate. Because the whole idea, and we talk about this in the book over and over and over, is that are you reaching your maximum potential. I mean, if you had a child and you saw that child slacking off and not being as much as they could be, it would be heartbreaking. Well, we as women get to, and I'm not speaking now about men at all, I'm, just, and because that in some ways, a lot of that takes care of itself. When we as women take care of ourselves, and they're just, in this book, it just talks about so many things. And a lot of things you think, oh, well, I've heard that. But do you do it? Have you set that up as part of, of who you are? One of the things that we talk about in the book is posture and how that if you are, it, and, and every time I say this every in front of anyone, everybody always, including me, kind of sucks their gut in a little bit with their shoulders back. It's so easy to get away from, from that posture, but when you're standing up straight, it's your lungs are functioning better, your internal organs function better, and when you get to be in the year, 40s, 50s, 60s, and older, that kind of thing can make you feel better all the time. If you're getting up in the morning, and you are looking in the mirror, and you're thinking, oh, what the heck, I look the way I look, who cares? That. That right there can be a real deterrent to you having being on your game and in your game. So to take self-care, to try to look your best, and to try, which they have proven, how many studies have you heard about people who look their best and 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 put effort into that feel better. They're more successful. They are able to communicate with others better because it's your self-confidence. And a lot of these things, if you're taking care of in yourself, it just translates into your relationship. It gives you the courage and the and the the, um, the belief, the self belief, then to address that and, and and address a lot of issues. So we just talk on and on. We talk about creating your own blue zone in the book and. There are these blue zones. I'm sure many people out there have heard of this. All over the world where people are healthier, they live longer, they're happier, and you can create your own blue zone. And, and basically what it means is you create an environment where you're taking the best care of yourself possible. And and all this could sound kind of self-serving and narcissistic, but it's not. It's about how you're better in relationships because you come to the table to deal with issues in a way that is so much more positive. And so what we found is that what's in this book really feeds your question, which is what, and I'm almost, I'm almost, see I'm aging but dangerous, so I've almost forgotten the question. But I think that we're going down that right road where, where you can, your relationships with everyone will be better. When you're happy, you're, you're at peace with yourself, you're confident, and that you fulfilled a lot of these things that so many women, as we age, it's easy to give up. Don't you think it is?
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what I love about what you said, Suzanne, is this applies to anyone really at any age. And and just think if the women start, you know, women who are, young women who are hearing you now, if they really take that on now rather than a need to prove that they are good enough, but just learn from someone like yourself where they can, you know they can believe in themselves now and be willing to make mistakes and just be themselves. Imagine where they will be when they've gotten to your age as a person like you who has written a book like this. This will actually maybe even help solve their issue with their husbands way before time, maybe even now. You know? So, Jay, I know you had another question for Suzanne, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna steal your thunder again. <laughs>
2: Uh, the, the only question, the, the only question I I've pretty much had is, uh, is there some is there some something that you can say about young people not knowing this information? Because mostly when I was like nineteen and twenty and those, well, I might still be nineteen and twenty. I didn't know none of this stuff. You know, I'm thinking that you know I'm going to have this woman for the rest of my life. There's not going to be any dry spells. They're not going to get you know tired. And this is what it is. What can you tell the young people? Um, about you know having a lifelong partnership with somebody, and all these things are going to happen, and you're not going to be prepared for them.
4: Well, uh, I, I think that's 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 really the whole that's really the whole thing is to say to me, and I sound like a little bit like a broken record as I'm listening to myself, but. It is, life is going to deal you numerous cards and not, as you said, they're not all going to be great cards. They're not all going to be trumps. But first of all, if you do prepare yourself for the, to be the best person you can be inside, I think that we go through a time, I, I, I don't know many people who haven't gone through times where they're really co- concentrated and focused on the exterior, what's outside them. And I think that when you're young, it's much, for me, it was much more difficult to look at what I was on the inside. And I think that had my parents said to me, look, things are going to be tough. The reality that things will be tough in your marriage and in your life and in your job. And how do you, you don't prepare for that by making more money so you have a stash because basically you prepare for that by working on what's inside you who am i as a person getting in touch with feelings and emotions and we talk about this in the book a lot in in every aspect of having just knowing getting making contact with that piece of you that is that wants to be better and that is that you know if you're honest with yourself maybe isn't where it should be um, we talk in the book about about scaling down and about how humility. I mean, it, it, when you go through a tough time and you lose a big part of of your um, of your wealth or your belongings, that's a really humbling time. But those are the times when people grow. So I would say another thing you would tell young people is that when you're in tough times use it as a great tool for growth and for learning because that's really what it is. And that's what I've done. And that's in this book, it reflects a lot of stories where I was not in a good place. And because of that, I grew into something that was so much better than what I was. And then the other thing that I think is really important for young people to know is this, it's this complex, Idea that you can have a multiple, that you can have multiple emotions. You can be really happy, the same time you're really sad. And a good example is when my dad died. My dad had Alzheimer's. I was so happy. In fact, when they called and they said your dad died, I said, "Oh, my th- my gut thing that came out of my mouth was, oh, I am so happy." Yet I was just so sad and that is that duality of emotions you can really love your wife and want to be with her forever and not and 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 feel like you can't stand her right now at the same time that you don't have to pick you don't have to pick one way or the other you can have this dual duality of emotion and then you can choose how you want to handle that? Because obviously you don't want to dislike your your wife. You don't want to be in conflict. So you choose to work harder on the piece that you that that you want to be stronger. It's like, and I'm sure you all have heard this story, the Native American. I believe it's a Native American story about um, that we all have two wolves inside of us. One is the good wolf, and one is the the bad wolf. And uh, the little boy asks the wise chief. Well, which one wins? And he says, the one you feed. Well, feed the good one. You know, that's a
1: very, very true statement. You know, oh, my goodness. You know, that, that one statement uh, really speaks volumes, Suzanne and and, and Jay. And, you know, um, I'd love to just get, you know, do a little dialogue here between the three of us. You know, Suzanne, um, you You've you, you, you hit on such a major point One of the things I wanted to ask too You know, we have a, young people right now Really need guidance Okay And as well as they can guide us as older people But the one thing I remember as a, a young person I used to say, oh my god, when I get older I am going to Be a certain way And I'm, I'm going to always grow But the truth is, the reason it's not that you stop growing When you get older, you become wiser From your life's experiences all right. What do you think? You know, writing a book like this, having children, having had the experiences you've had, seeing what's going on in the world today. What are your thoughts in how we need to guide our youth, especially our women? And this is where I do think women are the core of life. We bring life into the world. How do you think we can guide this world out of where it's going right now? You know, and I know it's a big question, but I feel that you have you have been in this world to have had children and been married and had friends of all ages that you can give us some insight to that how do you think we can guide young women to really um, connect with just our
4: youth our men other young women how do you think we can do that well don't you think a lot of it's going back to basics just To go back to the basics of life, there's a great horse trainer. He trained for the, he actually rode on the Olympic team, and he, uh, and he also then trained and taught. He's still involved with the Olympic team in the United States. His name's George Morris, and he would always bring even his Grand Prix Olympic riders. He would bring them back. He'd go, okay, if they got in a situation where they were a little off, they weren't quite riding right. He'd bring them back to basics. So if you come back to some of the just basics and reevaluate where you are in the basic things in your life, your spirituality, what your your relationships, who who are you who are you spending your time with, your involvement with your family, your community, just back to basics. I, it sounds so simple, and then. It says that in every book, whether no matter what faith you are, is that love is the key. Loving your neighbor. I mean, love people. And that's a lot of what this book is about, is that women learning to love each other, women learning to love themselves first, because if you don't love yourself, you can't love someone else. And then about just just some of those real basic things of kindness. I mean, these aren't these are you don't have to be a genius to be kind to people. And I, I we just I just talked about this on um my um my co founder Gene Ketchum and I just talked about this on our our radio show here is that, you know, it's a pain in the ass to do unto others <laughs> as you would have others do unto you. And I gave an example of how I really wanted to do something that really flew in the face of that, and it took me extra time and energy and just annoyed the bejeeers out of me to do that, but but it really is a beautiful thing to to for me to hold as my standard. It's like just doing to others if would I want somebody to do this to me, would I want someone to put graffiti on something I owned, would I want someone to um, steal from me or be dishonest, and um, I—it's—I it, sound really—that sounds really boring, I know, but that's—that is the way that uh, we approach our company, and that we approach the members, and that we encourage the members is that it's just about uh, being the kind of person to others that you would want them to be to you. Well. Wow. Does that sound really boring? <laughs>
1: no, actually, that is, you know, it's the simplest thing. What are your thoughts, Jay, on that? No, it's
2: not boring. It's its its perfect.
1: It, it really no. is because... Go ahead. Hello? Did we lose you, Suzanne? Yes.
4: No. Oh, no, no, we we I'm here. here. Go ahead.
1: No, no, um, no. Do you think that you know? I, I really, I'm, I'm. For me to be speechless, it really is a lot. Um, I think that you hit the nail on the head for all of us today. And and um, you know, I wish we could have a part three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten of you. You know,
4: <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little much. But <laughs> but well, well, and oh no, and I, I know, you know, I know. Is there- Life is just so beautiful, and I every day I think, "Oh, I'm so grateful. I have such gratitude." And some days it takes a lot to find the gratitude. It takes a lot to find what I'm really grateful for, because I would like to probably deck somebody. So, but it's 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 really I find if I can find my gratitude it, first thing in the day, and um, then it just seems like that I can get that smile on my face. The other thing I highly recommend, and this is an Aging with Dangerous tip, is turn on oldie but Goodies on your radio and rock out in the morning. If you could just dance around your kitchen, a couple of good dances, got Smokey going and or Aretha or something. You just dance around your kitchen and and get a little get a little energy going, get a little positive vibe. I mean, you can't believe some of those little tricks that I do that really make me just so joy-filled. So there are a lot of things you can do. You should set up your life to take advantage of the things you really enjoy in a way that can snowball into more and more and more of the positive person that we all, I think, would like to be.
1: Well, that sounds great. And um, with that note and on such a positive note, we thank you for being on the show, and we hope that you'll come back and visit us next year. And um, we hope you have an amazing holiday. And, Suzanne, before we leave, can you tell them where they can find you at?
4: You can find us at agingbutdangerous.com, and or and you can go to Amazon and our new book, who's already on the Amazon Top Ten Bestseller, and it's category, Don't Pee on My Sofa and Other Things to Laugh About.
1: No problem. Well, everyone, (laughs) again, we thank you for the show. Jay, Suzanne, uh, Shoba, uh, our partner in crime and also our partner with Listen Give, we will reach out to you shortly. And uh, thank you, everybody, and have a wonderful holiday. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey, got to get out
0: of here. All right.